This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Investor Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and business owners to share their stories so that we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I'm here with one of my good friends, Matt Hoover. Matt is a fix and flipper. Now he's getting into self-storage. He owns a gym and a restaurant, and he's based out of Memphis, Tennessee. He's doing all sorts of cool stuff. He and I have become really close over the last few years, so I am thrilled to bring him in to share some of his uh, experiences and stories with you guys on how he uses the Certainty Operating System to get closer to what he wants. So welcome in, Matt. It's great to have you. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Uh, I, I, when you first started this, I thought a successful real estate investor, I was like, who's he, who's he talking <laughs> about here? <laughs> Is he got the wrong guest on today? <laughs> oh, please, please. That's your, uh, that's your Southern uh, charm right there, being very modest. So, um, Well, awesome, man. Uh, we always start this show off just like we start every uh, meeting with the Whale Club and a lot of things that we're doing. You're getting very familiar with this. So why don't you share your six-word update with us? Oh, man, I, I, I like this. I have, uh, since you've started us on this, I think I do this a lot more than, uh, definitely than when I, when I started doing it, but I find it, it, it makes it very, very clear. Uh, so my six word update for the day is one that I got at, at Collective Genius CG here recently. A guy said, he says, know what you make, spend, keep. To me, that kind of, that kind of hit home when, when he said that I was like, wow, that's, that's a six word update right there. So I had a, I've got a ton of six word updates that apply to many people that I've heard speak over the, I don't know, last six months or whatever. And, and, I appreciate you sharing that with us because it makes you narrow down, get super crystal clear about something. So know what you make, spend, keep. Yeah, man. I love it. So what does that mean? Um, I think it, uh, I think it correlated with another uh, six word update that, that um, I heard Mr. Jimmy Vreeland say is do not be an Excel millionaire. In other words, know what you're making, obviously, know what you're spending is just as important and know what you're keeping basically. So you're, you're, you have clarity on the direction your business is going. Are you, are you getting closer to what you want? Or is it just trying to get more of the closer, closer versus more uh, principle that you talk about a lot. And it basically just, you, it, it's just an informative set of numbers to keep you in, in a straight line and going in the direction to getting what you're wanting to get. Yeah. I love that because a lot of times we don't pay it. I think the last word that you've got in there, what you keep is mm -hmm. oftentimes what spins it. I can speak for myself. It spun me out for a while. We were yeah. more focused on what we made, right? How yeah. do we make more money? But obviously this, this whole financial certainty thing starts to fall apart if you're not paying attention to what you're actually keeping. Correct. Correct. And I think it's one of, you know, I think maybe, maybe you and I are similar. I know a lot of guys that I've talked to that are in the whale club and in investing in real estate, we're just looking for the next opportunity. You know what I mean? We're not concentrating on all the fine details and whatnot. And I'm, I'm guilty as charged, man. I, I don't even know if today I'm I'm hundred percent confident that my books and all of the stuff that, that, that I'm doing in my businesses are not up to par where they need to be, but it's very important. So it, it kind of drove, drove home in my mind that, you know, I need to, I need to tighten up. I've heard many people say that too, over the course of the last couple of weeks, tighten up, tighten up, know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it seems obvious when you say it out loud, like in mm -hmm. order to have financial certainty, you have to have your finances dialed in. 
But how many of us entrepreneurs just err on the side of, I'll just go sell more, right? I'll just sell my way out of this situation. <laughs> I mean, I've been guilty of this my entire career. This is the curse of the salesperson is just like, yes, doesn't really matter. I'll just go sell another deal and we'll catch back yeah. up. Yeah, um, let's catch back up. I'm, I'm, I've, uh, I've had many discussions with, uh, you know, the, the, the answer is sales, right? The, but you have to know where it's going. Like you can, we all can, we all can do a deal, right? But it's what happens after the fact when that money goes into your account and whatnot, what, what goes on after that, right? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm just not good at that, man. I, I, I've got to, I've got to get better. And I, and I plan on, that's one of my, uh, one of my biggest goals of, of this year is to, is to know, know my books, man. No, no, no more than I know now. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, and you know, you are going through this most recent group of whales, and this is part of what we're going to be really digging in as a group is to, to really understand our own finances, like part of the solvable problem, which we're going to get through. It, it's really hard to know if you can't tell where you're at. I mean, how do right. you know what to, you know, what decisions to make? You're just sort of flying blind. And so it's critical to have that. I'm just as guilty as, as anyone else. And, and this is part of where it takes a little bit of a community mm -hmm. of people uh, because most of us entrepreneurs are geared towards sales and let's just sell our way out of these holes that we get ourselves in as opposed to how do we prevent bad things from happening in the first place? Correct. Absolutely correct. You know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like we're a, a ship without a rudder. You know, we've got mm. this huge ship and we have no rudder, so we really don't know where we're going, which means that we're definitely not going to get where we need to be. And that's one thing too. I'm, I've been, I've been very fortunate to, um, to hop on um, my, my, my newest employee is my wife and my wife is <laughs> super organized. She is super organized. We were actually having a conversation about QuickBooks or is it Quicken? QuickBooks. See, there you go. I don't even know which one it is. I don't even know which one it is, Paul. That's embarrassing. Is it QuickBooks or is it Quicken? Whichever one. Like we were talking about that and how um, in, in the past it's been a successful tool for us. And she was excited to learn more about that. And I was just like, that makes my head hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, okay. So I want to back up for just a second because you and I have started using this six word update in a lot of other areas. And it was funny because we were both at Collective Genius and yeah. I, I was hoping you could tell a little bit about maybe some of the case in points where you've used six word updates to help uh, to help your understanding of, of different things. You have a cool story with that. You mind telling that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, first of all, I don't even know if I shared this with you. I've, I've started doing this with um, in my fitness center. I have a lady that's um, she's a rock star, right? She's been a godsend for me. And that's one of the things that I, I, I taught her uh, several of the things like I've got it written down here in multiple pages in my journals, at least amount of risk, least amount of effort, most amount of options type deal. I, I shared that with her and you could anytime when I throw something like that, I think her reaction is the same as mine. Right. So, when I said, hey, I want you to give me a six word update that summed up this weekend or Monday, which is normally a crazy day in the fitness industry. And you could see her eyes go up into the left and like all of a sudden her brain starts, her brain starts going. So I've applied that and it may, I think it makes her, I think it makes her get more specific with everything that's going on with, uh, 
with with her goals and her aspirations. So as far as the six word update, I mean, what, what, what you said, I, the what story were you talking about, man? I'm drawing a blank. Well, just how you've been using it and applying it. That's a great example. We were using it yeah. at Collective Genius as well, right? When yeah. someone gives a presentation. Sure. So I, I would listen to the presentations and I would write a six word update for every presentation. We do what's called hot seat presentations. Those of you that are not in Collective Genius and you basically bring something to the table that is a give. And every time you would have a give, then what I would do is I would I would circle. I would write six word update with every single person. And I wrote I just wrote them down and it basically gave me a good summary of what that person was talking about. Um, I mean, it, it's and actually my six word update for today was one of those from one of those uh, those uh, hot seat presentations. Um, and I love it because it's hard to remember everything. You know, you're yeah, taking is. notes and you're and you're going back. But like realistically, it's been what? I don't know, three, two or three weeks since we yeah. were in Clearwater together. And I don't yeah. remember all the details no. of all no. this stuff. But I look back in my journal and I can see here's six words yes. for that person's presentation. And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> you know? I've got one right here. This is a funny one, Paul. I'll share this one with you. Albert Wu was was on it. He was talking about uh, what he's how he got it in the rental property. And my six word update for him was: location is key. Grandma knows best. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Shout out to Albert. <laughs> Falbert, I love it. Falbert, um, that's right. Well, okay. So let's let's start talking a little bit about your understanding of the solvable problem because you like me we've got a bunch of different things that we're doing you like you, you know we were talking about you've got your uh uh your home buying business you've got your self storage you've got all these different things that are that you're doing uh and you have a very you've been with me in the whale club since it started you were in one of the you know first 10 and when dan started teaching us all of this solvable problem stuff i'm curious to to hear your experience with that over this last year as we've been using it how you're thinking about the solvable problem how you're yeah. thinking about using your businesses to help you get closer to the things that you want in life well it's 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 interesting to say that i think the one that made the most impact on me was um was the least amount of risk least amount of effort most amount of options that right there in was in brain when we went to denver for your for your for your little um your little get together that was the one that made the biggest impact on me because what it does is it makes you think. I think all of the certainty principles that, that Dan throws out and teaches and that you're teaching as well, it just makes you think. It makes you look at it from different perspectives and realize that that there is a way if you follow these rules and, and don't, don't, I guess, what, what is it? Don't blow yourself up is the phrase I was trying to think about. So with this, the thing that I liked about it was is that you can, your solvable problem is in my eyes, it is a number. Like, what is that number to solve this particular problem? And then you can have other solvable problems that are another number or from another business or anything like that. The thing that appeals to me about this the most with what you're doing is with the business treasury. To me, that not only, it's not only a business principle, it should be a personal principle, if you will. It's something mm. that anybody can do once you get past the thought of what it actually is, right? To me, those those couple of things there kind of hit home and all were came together and it was like an aha moment for me when I was like, wow, they're they're this is fantastic. Um, well, it plays back into your six word update, which is like sure. I forget exactly the what you said, but it's like what you keep. Correct. Right. And so Correct. 
when we talk about this concept of the business treasury, which we learned from Dan, you know, and he yeah. taught this to some of the top Fortune 500 companies in the world. And now he teaches that to us as small business owners. It's all about what you keep. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Because if, if you're not, it's almost like my, my dad used to use a phrase, uh, still does to this day, is you're just spinning your wheels, right? You're, you're, you're running wide open, but you're not going anywhere, right? It's the same thing with your finances. If you don't know where that is, then how can you, how can you get financial certainty if you don't know the direction you're going, right? Yeah. And I'll be the first one to say that even, even right now, I don't, I don't feel like I'm anywhere I, I need to be, but I think that once you put it in top of mind, you can take one step toward that and take another step the next day and take another step the next day and, and just keep going. That's the main thing I, I use. One of the, one of the phrases I use myself is, is that every entrepreneur goes through the, the fights and the battles, whether it be here or actually outside is just keep going. got to keep going. That's the main thing. Um, that's kind of my mantra is just keep going. You may not know what to do next, but just keep going, keep showing up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. And so what is your, understanding of the business treasury do you mind explaining what that is for those who may not have ever heard that that term yeah be, be glad to my, my viewpoint is it's basically a way that you can um i look at the business treasury almost like a almost like a rental property and uh, the, my, it, it's it's one of these things where you can you can put x amount of dollars into this business treasury and it and it spit off a yield that allows you to continuously draw on that money that you've put in. Uh, so I look at it as a rental property from the point of view of the of the crypto world. For those of you that that uh, are are new to this game, so to say, I look at it as a point of view where you can you can create a a a a yield from combining cryptocurrencies that allow you to pay for a lot of your business expenses. Right? You you talked about that from that that was day one. That was probably the first aha moment that I had where with your business treasure, you're able to, to pay your employees. So to me, that was like, that is unbelievable that that yeah. is available now. So I don't know if I did a good job explaining that or not. I just viewed it as, as kind of like a rental property that just continuously cash flows is kind of what I look at. Maybe you could expl probably explain it better than I could. I think that's spot on. I think <clears throat> I, I, as I've learned more about the treasury, um, I've I've expanded my understanding of what it does for us in in terms of our solvable problem. So we call it the business treasury and yeah, we found this really cool strategy where we can take cash that was sitting in our bank, right? That's really not earning us anything. Nothing. And we can allocate it into different investable opportunities where it can now kick off enough cash flow to support Either the the you know you've called Correct. it the personal treasury. You have a business yeah. treasury. Maybe you have a personal treasury. Correct. And the whole idea being, well, if you have a business that has an operating expense, let's say it's ten thousand dollars a month to operate that business. Well, what if you could create enough cash in your business that was earning enough income to be able to offset those those expenses that you're paying? That's Correct. the concept of a business treasury. Well, it, it puts it brings it back down to zero. I mean, your 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 expenses are covered, so to say, right? And if you can do this in a business and you can do this, you know, in your personal life, why could you not help other people do the exact same thing? Why could you not help a nonprofit or a church do the exact same thing? Right. So I I, I might have used this example the last time that we talked, but you know, when um um I donate to my church every week, 
I donate anytime that I sell a house or any type of um, transaction, I always give a, um, I always tithe to my church. So my thought process was, okay, if, if I'm donating this money to my church, they're going to use this money one time for something as they should. But what if I put this in a business treasury and then it started spitting off a little bit of yield, a little bit of yield, a little bit of yield. And next thing you know, that number grows, that number grows, that number grows. And that church gets, a, that church has its very own business treasury of money that can continuously give to the church. Would that be better or would it just be good for me to give my church $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. So in my eyes, it's a better option to put this in a business treasury and get, give the church the yield, just give the, give it to the yield and keep adding to it because that $10,000 base doesn't go away. Mm. So that's just my, that's just my, uh, Southern redneck point of view of it. And, and, uh, I, I just see it as a, it can be a benefit to everybody that is open to the concept of, of the business treasury. Yeah. And what you're describing is, you know, the solvable problem is, it takes a lot of clarity, right? So in order to be able to say, well, hey, I want to tie 10% of my earnings to the church. And you want to be able to endow that forever, right? So that like, not only do you, when you give money to them, mm -hmm. that money is now earning additional money and additional money. And these are all just financial principles and tools that we've learned right. from, from Dan. Right. And when it when you say it out loud, it almost sounds like, well, duh. Yeah. Like, well, duh, that makes sense. Instead of yeah. just like taking the money and spending it, it's like, well, that's the same reason we buy rental properties. Correct. It's the same Correct. reason we do a lot of these things. All we're suggesting is take this and build it holistically into your entire life, right? Correct. And use these things, use the money as a tool to help you get more of the things that you want. In Correct. this case, it's about giving back to your church. Correct. Um, so I, I think that's fantastic, man. And, and you know, you and I, we're both basketball guys. Um, I mean, you're six foot eight. They can't quite tell it on this uh, on this screen right here. And in fact, I was uh, reading your bio and I don't think I knew this specifically, but you played two years in summer NBA summer league. I did. Yeah, that was an That's incredible. That was an experience to say the least, because you 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 get there and you're excited to have the opportunity. Right. And you show up at the at the gym, which was the pyramid at Long Beach State. And you walk out on the court and you see guys on the court that you've seen play on TNT and TBS, you know, and you walk out and you see Anthony Mason standing right across from you and Bruce Bowen, defensive player of the year. Like I see these guys as guarding Kobe and guarding Jordan. And I'm like, they're standing right in front of me. So that was the experience at home. Probably, probably the most like, Oh my gosh moment was, was we walked out on the court one day and I just happened to look up in the stands and Phil Jackson was sitting in the stands and I'm like, Oh, this is real. This is, this is the real deal. <laughs> That's incredible, man. But it was an experience because it, it's, it's almost like anything that we do in the real estate world though. Right. I got a chance to see how good these guys really were and see kind of the, the gaps in my game, kind of like you'd see the gaps in your business for, for a, a real estate investor or anything, any business for that matter, you kind of, you, you got a level of, of, of par, if you will, that you had to raise your game in order to get on their level or there was no chance. So it was an eye-opening experience to me. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, trade anything for it, man. Uh, mm. uh, guarding Anthony Mason was, this dude's my height. He was about this wide. 300 pounds. <laughs> oh, he was 300 pounds and he had guard skills. It was ridiculous. It's absolutely that's ridiculous. wild. Um, so. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's experience is so cool, but 
you know, when you're playing at that level, it's like highly competitive. Very and I, you know, you and I, we, we show up and, you know, I've played basketball quite a few times together now, uh, yeah. mostly at the collective genius events that we go to and we go out and we play pickup ball. Mm-hmm. And I want to contrast that scenario that you played, you know, in that very competitive structured, you know, world where you are, uh, you're trying to compete with all of these different people. Correct. But do you play, you don't play basketball like that anymore, do you? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Right. And you and I have talked about this analogy many times. And, you know, I've articulated that my solvable problem has a lot to do with I want to be able to play business the same way that we play pickup basketball. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, and it's like, you know, I played competitive sports just like you did for a Mm -hmm. long time. And -hmm. it's exhausting. You know, there's just constantly like it's fun. I get that. Um, But now, the way that I think about my solvable problem is that I want to get to a point where we've gotten like so much financial certainty in mm-hmm. my life that I can go out and play business the same way that we play pickup basketball. Oh, that's wonderful. What we mean by that is like you and I don't sit there and stress out about what team are we going to be on? Like, right. We go out there and we play really hard in the game. I mean, I saw you slam a basketball down screaming <laughs> because because uh, you lost a game, right? <laughs> Which was hilarious. I'd never seen you react that way, first of all. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is like 15 minutes later, we're sitting at breakfast and just, you know, having a good old time. It's not yeah. like it's not like the whether we won or lost in those games carried right. through to the rest of our day. It didn't impact us at all. Correct. But when we're in the game, we're playing hard. We're we're very competitive, Correct. and that's that's sort of the scenario that that I think about when when I think about my solvable problem. It's like how fun is that? I love basketball so much, but if I was if it was competitive, like the way that you were describing your NBA career, you know, I'm over that now. Like I don't want to play business that way anymore. I want to play it so that because I have such a love for the game. Correct. Yeah, that, that's a that's a that's one of the best analogies I've heard. When I, when I first time I heard you say that, I, I was like, "That's a that is a position where you have the ultimate financial certainty." Uh, I mean, finances is finances would be the the least of your concern. You know, you, you do things because you want to do them, right? And you're not having to stress, like you say, of trying to get to the NBA. You know, you're trying and trying and trying, right? You know, your financial certainty is you're in the you're an NBA All Star. Right now, your now your next loo, next move is: Am I going to be in the Hall of Fame type deal? So, when you described that to me for the first time, I was like, "Man, that is a that is a wonderful concept." That what if we could all get to that point, right? Yeah. And then the next thing you know, we I heard a guy say the other day, he goes, "Man, when you get to a certain level of success, you need to drop the ladder down and let somebody come up with you, bring somebody up with you, right?" What if we were to get to that point, and all we're doing now is helping other people succeed in their businesses and their lives? And, 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 and really make a mark on our lives as well as somebody else's life along the way, man. I mean, that, that's just, um, that'd be the ultimate give, so to say, um, that that's exciting to look forward to that. I don't know. That's exciting. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, let me ask you this, because one of the things I think a lot about is, you know, when I say business as a sport, I have a sometimes I have a little bit of reservations because I, I also, what I mean by that is I want to also make a big impact 
in the world. But I, I, I don't feel like I quite know exactly what that is just yet. So I haven't really like stuck my flag in the ground yeah. and said, this is what I want to do. Talk to me a little bit about the process of like this moving target. You know, we say the solvable problem as if it's like some fixed rigid point in the, in the future that never changes, you know? And I, I'm sure that you can appreciate that. Like, you know, you've got two young girls. I mean, I, I I'm sure like 10, 15 years ago, what you wanted in life is very different than what you want now. I'm sure it's reasonable to assume that in 10 years or even three years from now, the yeah. same things you want today could change significantly. So yeah, no how do you, how do you handle that? And what would you say to somebody that is struggling to maybe figure out, like, I don't know what my solvable problem is. I don't know what I want in life. I don't know what, you know, what major impact that's going to be. I think a lot of people can get anxiety around that. Yes, how would yeah. you, how would you approach that? What would you say to that person? Well, one of the first things that I did, one of the best things that I did as far as is is any aspect of my life, personal business, is get a mentor. I think a person that has that has number one has been there and done that, so to say, is the perfect person to bounce ideas off of. Um, I, I I've never I've never had a situation where if I had a question that I needed to get answered or a problem that I need to get solved, I've never had a situation where somebody didn't give me an answer when I asked for it. You know, that that would be my suggestion is go and talk to a person that has had a lot of success at some level, whatever level, whatever aspect of, of life, business, whatever the case may be, and just start asking them for problems. I think it was Jim Rohn, um, Tony Robbins mentor back in the day. He says he said one day and I'm, I may be butchering this quote, but he says poor people should take rich people to lunch and just start asking questions. Right. Because maybe that would give some clarity of the direction that they went. And maybe you're going to go on that path a certain amount of time. Right. But, you know, before my kids were born, I wanted this and that and the other. You know, I'm a car guy. I like I like cars. I had all this list of cars that I wanted. And now in my since my daughters have come along and playing sports now, that completely went away. So in five years, oh, my gosh, in five years, my daughter's going to be driving. Oh, wow. That's that's. Obviously, things will change from that point of view as well. I think we have to be, as business owners, as parents, as, as just people in general, we have to be open to some type of change. So the solvable problems that I have now, there's zero doubt in the next 12 months that they're going to change slightly. But the, there's a there's a 100% guarantee in the next five years they're going to change. Yeah. Right. So I just think you have to be open. I think that you have to ask lots of questions um, and get the advice of people that have had a tremendous amount of success in whatever, whatever you have questions about, whether it be business, whether it be life, whether it be charities, whether it be whatever the case may be, parenting, and just ask lots of questions. That that would that's always served me well. Yeah. You know, and a couple of things that you said, uh, I'm gonna just take a few notes, otherwise I'll forget. <laughs> I have to write stuff down too, it's man. I know. It's funny. I, uh, I, when I do these podcasts live, when I sit over there and I don't have my, you know, whiteboard here, it's really, <laughs> sometimes it's hard. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to listen and pay attention, but I also want to make sure. notes about things I want to come back to. So I couldn't agree with you more about mentorship. However, I think that a, a lot of times what's gotten me in trouble in the past is seeking consensus from the wrong people, right? So we say, well, this person has had success 
And so, so what would you do if you were me? But, but oftentimes like it takes a really deep, you got to go deeper than just like they've had success in business because, well, what's their relationship like with their wife? What's the relationship with their kids? Like, you know, what's their relationship like with, with God or with, you know, all these other things that you might have that are important to you. And just because someone's made a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that, that you've got the full picture there. That's gotten me in trouble in the past. Uh, I've also gotten in trouble with comparison. So like I see somebody else who's got a successful business and I start asking them for mentorship, but turns out I'm just erring on the side of, well, they're doing more deals than me. But yeah. it turns out like I don't actually want that business, but I start taking advice from people si- strictly because they've done well. So like how important is it to pick the right mentor to take advice from? And maybe how how have you gone about that in the past? I think that every every mentor gives you a, a, a piece of your own puzzle. Right. So I have several business partners that that obviously have had success and they've went about it different ways. I think each person gives you a piece of your own puzzle that allows you to get to your, your closer versus more type deal that we talk about a lot, right? When, when you ask for advice, I think it's one of these deals that you have to be open to, okay, is this something that I can apply to what I'm doing, right? Is this the piece of the puzzle that I'm looking for that fits what I'm trying to do, right? And if it's not, then you know, go to the next person or ask the next question of the next person and whatnot. But that, that's a great point, man. I, I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that is absolutely that is absolutely true. I also think that I take one person example when I when I when I first got into real estate, it was it was just one of these situations where this uh, man ended up being a mentor to me, and it was it wasn't planned. I just started asking questions about different things, and he started giving advice about different business things that he had done in the past, and and um and how he had navigated through 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, and all the downtime downturn that was then. But I didn't take everything that he suggested. What I did was I took little specifics in the real estate world of things that he had done and success with, and I, I applied those to my puzzle, so to say. And it allowed me to take the next step to meet the next person, which ended up being a, is a, is a partner of mine right now. I started asking him questions, and he provided another two or three pieces of the puzzle and just extended on and on and on, right? And I just think it's one of these deals. It's a, it's a personal preference thing on um, whether you take the person's advice or not, because it may be a great piece of advice, but it may not apply to you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that piece of your puzzle, that puzzle piece doesn't fit in your puzzle, and you need to discard it and go to the next one. You know, and to borrow, I love the puzzle piece analogy to borrow from the analogy you gave earlier about a ship without a rudder. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, and you also brought up uh, Jim Rohn and I forget exactly how he says this, but it's, it's not like the wind blows for everyone, but it's the set of the sail. Like if you don't know where you're headed, correct, you've got all these winds, crosswinds and yeah, they might be beneficial to somebody in a different boat. (laughs) It's headed a different direction. It's not the wind. It's the set of the sail, right? It's like you have to be able to use this. And so I thought that was great. One other thing I want to add is I struggled tremendously with, yeah, but I said I was going to do this, Mm. you know, and and we we, we take off into business and we make these declarations like I'm going to be I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to be successful here. Yeah. And 
oh, man, what is the importance of like giving yourself the permission to change your mind? That right there was huge for me. I used this um, two days ago. No, what is that? Days, days. It was last Friday. I was talking with my gym manager, right? And we had changed some things as of 2023 that were different from the whole time that we, that my fitness center has been open. And one of the questions she asked was, was that, was that what you had said in the past? I said, yes. However, I, being the business owner, reserve the right to change my mind and being clear with that other person about, hey, this is what's changed. This is what we're going to do moving forward. I know I said I was going to do this in the past. Here's how we're going to navigate through this moving forward, because this is what we need for the business to continue with the success, right? We reserve the right to change our mind in decisions that are helping us, our employees, our family. And I think that's an important it's difficult because you said one thing, right? And you want to be a person of your world. I'm, I'm someone who, by God, does does what they say they're going to do. Yes, yes. And I am that. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, you better do it. My dad has told me that I'm, all of my life. He's told me that, right? But I also think it's important, too, that, that you know, if your ship's running in the wrong direction, you got to change direction of the ship. And without a good rudder, that ship is going to run aground, right? It's the same thing in business, right? You have to pivot, especially when you find something that works or find something that is working. And it may be a little bit different from what you were doing in 2022. So 23 is a different different year, different time, something else is better. I reserve the right to change my mind in the direction I'm taking my fitness center or any business for that. And I think that's important for a person not to just say, I'm gonna do this or come hell or high water. You have to be able to make adjustments. You have to be adaptable. So I think that's that's spot on. Great, that's a, that's a wonderful point that every person should consider in anything that they're doing, do I reserve the right to change my mind in this situation? Yeah. Well, and our plans are just our best estimation of Correct. reality, the future reality. And when presented with new information, I mean, who in their right mind when presented with new information, like th this no longer makes sense now that we've gone out and engaged I mean, is that really someone that you want to follow? Someone who is, refuses to change their mind when presented with new information? Absolutely not. No. Um, but we tell ourselves, yeah, but, yeah, but I said, yeah, but I said this. Well, guess yeah. what? I made my best estimate of what reality was going to be at the time with the information that I had. It's a good thing I've got an operating system that allows me to continuously take Correct. new information in and adjust because, because our plans are just a best estimation of reality. And that's what makes us good business owners, good investors. And it's, it's the title of this show, The Investor Frame, Knowing What I Know Now. Would I still choose to opt into this? Would I still choose to own this business? Would I still keep this rental property? Sure. What, knowing what I know now, would I hire this employee again? If the answer is no, then you have to ask yourself, okay, what needs to change either in order to make that so? And if we can't, if we're not willing to do that, then we just need to get rid of it. And we need to call it like it is. Yeah, I thought this was a great idea. But it now no longer makes sense. Now that I've got some more information, it no longer makes sense. And the best traders, the best investors, the best business owners know when presented with new information, when to stop doing things, right? Correct. Correct. I'll give you a perfect example, man. This happened um, 
we're almost in February of 2023, uh, right at the end of December, I had a conversation with one of my personal trainers in my gym. This is a big dude, right? Big, intimidating looking guy, whatever. And the current, at the time, the current setup that we had, he was paying X amount of dollars. Well, what I realized was, is that he wasn't growing his clientele anymore because of a certain setup that we had. So I approached him about changing it up, which was going to cost him more money on a weekly basis, but it, it, it kind of pushed him to do a little bit more. Well, he didn't like it, obviously. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I, I used the phrase, I, I reserve the right to change my mind when it has to do with my business. I know this is going to be better for you. I know it's going to be better for my fitness center. And that's why we're doing it because it will be better. Well, he, he, he kind of had a little bit of pushback for about a week. And then next thing you know, he jumped on board with it and realized that it was better for him. And obviously it made it better for the fitness center. And now he has three or four more clients than he did previously and everything worked out fine. So I think, I think when a person takes their time to explain their point of view with a person they're dealing with, when they're changing their mind, and say, hey, this is my point of view. This is what we were doing. This is why I think this will be better for the business, for everybody. Then I think it's a little bit easier to navigate those difficult conversations mm -hmm. um, than most people just saying, hey, we're going to do it this way. We're changing this up. And that's it. Period. End of story. Right. Well, Dr. Jeff calls this allegiance capital. Yes. It means like building that in from the beginning because. Mm -hmm. Because the risk of not building it in from the beginning is that your team feels like you're jerking the yes. ship around, you know? Correct. So we have a phrase, maybe this is helpful for you. We have a phrase that we talk about on our team. We say on this team, we test and learn. We don't plan and implement. Test and learn. I like that. It means like, yeah, we're going to make quote plans, but our plans are tests, we're testing and we're learning, and then we're going to adjust from there. We're not going to sit here and make this giant plan. Now, now we do plan. I don't mean to say that. It's just changing the language from saying we're going to test this and learn, and then we're going to adjust, mm -hmm. right? We're not going to make this big plan that's fixed and rigid and, and then go try to implement on it with our heads buried in the sand. We're going to test and learn consistently. And when your team hears that at the beginning of the conversation, now they're prepared for it, right? It's a lot different when you come up to them later and you say, well, hey, I reserved the right to change my mind. They're like, well, okay, I get that. But if you say that on the front end, hey, this is what we're going to do. But if we get presented with new information, I reserve the right to change my mind. And then when you change course later, I've found that that, that little bit of what Dr. Jeff calls the allegiance capital, it, it makes everything go so much more smoothly. I just wrote that down. That's a fantastic phrase. We test and learn and adjust. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to implement that. See, Paul, I'm getting all kinds of good gems for you, man. You just need to keep talking. Maybe I just need to sit here and listen to you talk the whole time. This is fantastic. You know, it's funny. All these guys who are telling me all these little things, like they're part of the whale club. This is what we yeah. do in our community is we, we collaborate as a, as a group of investors, business owners, real estate investors to, to use these tools, right. And, and help us get better, get closer to the things that we want. So correct. Um, Matt, if it's all right with you, let's switch gears towards some strategy talk. And I want to hear a little bit about your business and your barbell, you know, and for those who are listening to this for the very first time, we talk about the barbell strategy a lot inside of our community, uh, the whale club. And it's really, it's a visual tool that we use 
Uh, and most of us are familiar with a barbell. You've seen a barbell before. I, I bet you've never seen weight loaded in the middle of a bar. <laughs> what we mean by that is when you load a barbell, it's either on one end or it's on the other. Ideally, we want to get things out of the middle. So on one side, we want to take bets that are very reliable, consistent. They're helping us lock in our financial certainty. On the other side, we take bets that have you know higher risk. So we, we take these bets because they have really high upside. Uh, but because we take small bets with them, the downside is typically pretty low. So we want to get things out of the middle, things that if they go well, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. And we might make a lot of money or we might close the gap quicker. But if they go really bad, it could be catastrophic. So there, you know, we want to get these bets out where there's big upside, but also big downside. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, tell me a little bit about your barbell and how you think about it. Well, it's funny me owning a fitness center, you know, there, there are lots of uh, videos on, on the social media, whatnot of people acting crazy. And I would not be surprised if someone did not try to load weight on the middle of a barbell. Or something. <laughs> it's actually ridiculous. You know, I'm a visual guy. I hope it's okay for me sharing this. You can see my barbell right here. That's, that's the, 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 the visual side of stuff for me. Right. And this concept is, even though we've talked about it, it's relatively new for me because I'm still trying to process all this from the point of view of the reliability versus the upside, you know, reliability on one side, upside on the other and whatnot. Uh, I mean, I think that my, my rental property is more of a reliability thing so far. It's been good. It's been good so far, you know, every now and then you have a, you have a, a, a bad tenant, but I also think that the, the big upside that I see that's part of my barbell is, is the, the blockchain and everything that we're doing with in the crypto world. That is a tremendous upside. But, you know, it, it does a lot of this all throughout, basically, since it's been existing, right? Absolutely. Um, my, my, my barbell is, is um, um, I think your job, your job is kind of one of the notes that I made. It's kind of in the middle, kind of be the handle of the, of the barbell. Like, what, what are we... What are we doing? Do you want a job type deal? So as far as that goes, I mean, I have those two main ones on each side. I think my restaurant is kind of my restaurant is kind of swaying more to the reliability side because I do have a partner that manages it for me with the same thing with my fitness center is I have someone running it for me and they're doing fantastic jobs as well. Um, my fix and flip thing, I think it's I, some days I think it's reliable. Some days I think it's just a, a huge upside, just depending on, you know, all the different factors of that. Um, but I think the, the fix and flip is pushing more to the reliable side because we've got our systems in place of when we buy a property, like the next step, my, my project manager knows what he's doing from that point of view. But again, some days you have your painter, your flooring person and your sheetrock person get COVID in consecutive three weeks. <laughs> and then you're three weeks behind. So all of a sudden it, it, you wonder, right, is it really reliable or what, what am I, what am I looking at here? So uh, as far as my business model goes, I, I think that it's constantly changing, um, but but at the same time, we're constantly improving it. Um, and, and that goes back to the mentor side of stuff is that say, hey, what have you done in this in the past in this situation? How would you handle this? Hey, Paul, my my crypto world is doing this. How have you uh, have you reacted to this in the past and moving forward with it? So um, the barbell to me is a is a is a wonderful visual that you can really ask yourself a lot of questions. Is this reliable or is this 100% an upside play? What, where, where is it on your barbell and where does it need to be? Um, that, that's kind of my point of view on the, on the barbell. 
Yeah, and everybody's barbell is different. It's not like Everybody. this is a, <clears throat> there's not a right or wrong thing for me, yeah. fix and flips, because because some of them can go really well and some of them can go yeah. really poorly. Yeah. It's, it's loading the weight in the middle of the bar for me. Now, say, you know, you were talking about fix and flips. And so it's not like saying that everything that's in the middle of the bar, we just got to get rid of. Yeah. What we're saying is, we want to move it towards becoming more reliable. How do we take this business and remove risk from the system? And when I say reliable, another word of saying is like predictable. Mm -hmm. And I think of it like this, like, do I know how much time every single week this is going to take up? If I know like it's going to take this amount of time, then that's reliable. But if I say, hey, you know, it could take me four hours a week. It could take me 20 hours a week. Some weeks mm -hmm. I spend nothing on it. Some, mm -hmm. some weeks I'm spending 80 hours a week, yeah. right? I mean, forget about how much money you're making on it. That is highly unpredictable, unreliable. Right. Unreliable, you know, I think of it in terms of somebody, let's say that has a W-2 job. You know, and we say jobs are, quote, in the middle of the bar. Well, I agree in some situations. In some situations, I disagree. For someone that has a 40-hour work week, and it's always 40 hours a week, and they know they're going to take home 100 grand a year, mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty reliable, right? Yeah. You know you can rely on this. If you put X in, you're going to get Y out. That's what we mean by reliable. Now, ideally, you're working over time to, like, reduce the amount of effort, least amount of effort, least amount of risk, most amount of options. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you've got something loaded in the middle, doesn't mean we can't move it to more reliable. And just cause it's on the reliable side, doesn't mean that we don't spend any time on it. It just means that it's predictable because it's hard to like make other decisions. Can I take my girls to softball practice? Can I be in Clearwater during a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Well, I don't know. How reliable is your business? Yeah, that's right. True. If, there's, if there's no predictability there, then you can't add on the other things that, that matter to you in life. Correct. And I think that that's, that's another thing too, that if it's not predictable, it's going to cause anxiety. If you don't know within a reasonable amount of time, how much is, is required, then you're automatic. I, I know I've been in that situation before many times too. And we talked about that too. The, um, in Dan's book, I've read about anxiety, how anxiety shows up in certain situations. And it's when stuff is not predictable. You don't know how much time, you don't know how much money, you don't know, you're not a hundred percent for sure. And anxiety plays a, plays a big role in many, many areas of your life. And especially with me being owning a fitness center, I've seen how that, <laughs> how that can take effect on people's lives and health and whatnot. So mm -hmm. from, from this point of view, I think that becoming predictable in everything that you're doing only it eliminates anxiety, not code totally, but it eliminates a, a large majority of your anxiety that most every person deals on a daily basis. Well, let's talk about blockchain and crypto for a second, because that is about as far from predictable as you can possibly get. I mean, it's totally on the other side of the bar. Yeah. Right. So yeah. why are we talking about this? Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's funny that you bring that up because I, I've uh, the, the best way that I've explained uh, the crypto world is is uh, with a fix and flip of the rental property. And you might have, you might be about to say that whatnot. I I see the. I see the anxiety showing up in 
buying a coin low and hopefully selling it high, right? I also see the predictability or somewhat predictability of, of drawing a yield from uh, creating a, a, an, an aspect of cryptocurrency that most people are not familiar with. And um, that, that's the thing to me is the reliability side of it is you're continuously drawing a yield. So you might've been about to say that, man, I might've cut you off. I apologize, but that's, that's what I see. Um, yeah. Is well, the there's, stress related. I think that it's not, a, it's so all of this, this whole barbell framework is not about saying we're not taking no risk. It's about saying, well, how do we remove risk from yeah. the scenario, right? And so we talked about the reliable side. And if we zoom out on the big picture barbell, you and I have the same barbells. Yes. It's like on, on one side, we have real estate. Yes. On the other side, we have blockchain. Yes. And both of them have their place on the barbell, but we're not looking at crypto and blockchain stuff and saying, this is real estate. It's not. It's not the mm -hmm. same thing. Now, not there's certain things that we can do on the blockchain side to remove risk, which we do. We spend a lot of time on that. But it's an upside play. It mm -hmm. is purely an upside play. Mm -hmm. What makes it middle of the bar is when you put in half your stack. Like, let's say you got a million dollars in net worth mm -hmm. and you put $500,000 of that into crypto. That that's the definition of like, if it goes right, that's fantastic. Great, great job. But if it doesn't go right Ooh. and you lose, you just lost half of your half of your money. We Man. know that the, the charts go like this, like they're right. all over the place. Right. So what takes the 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 downside away is like, don't put that much in. Maybe Correct. maybe put like twenty grand in if you've got a if you've got a you know uh, a, a million dollar net worth you might expose a couple percent maybe five percent yeah. to that as an upside play because if it goes right, I mean there's ten x hundred x opportunities in in crypto. Correct. It's it's, it's kind of like you said test and learn and adjust right right that's exactly what you do though you got to test it <laughs> see if it's right for you. That's right. So we're not sitting here saying that you should be doing blockchain or you should be doing this. All we're suggesting is a good way to approach financial certainty is to have a barbell where you've got mm -hmm. both sides of the equation, right? You want to have your reliable plays, but you should also have some upside plays. And, and upside means asymmetrical to the upside, meaning like if you're right, you win big. If you wrong, you lose a little bit. And yeah, that sucks. But like, that's the nature of making upside plays. That's right. That's right. That's a hundred percent. And I think too, that, that, that being in the whale club, it's, it allows you to test a little bit more. And the reason is, is because, I mean, we're all, we're all open to, to, to asking questions and Hey, what did you do here? What did you do there? You get a lot more ability to test things because multiple people are doing it multiple different ways. Hey, this worked for me. Hey, this worked for me. This didn't work as good. Maybe, maybe you pivot, so to say, turn your rudder and go the other direction with it, try something different. Uh, I, I, I think the Well Club is a perfect example of a lot of people that have gotten together and have many different directions they're going with their business, but a lot of different ideas as well, where you can have, you can bounce ideas off numerous people here in the Well Club. And it is amazing the feedback you can get. Hey, Matt, why don't you try this? Hey, Matt, why don't you try that? It's wonderful. It's almost like the anxiety level goes down when you're able to talk with people regularly about the direction they're going with their blockchain uh, portfolio and all the things that they're doing. So 
I don't know. I just see it as a, a good chance to ask questions. Yeah. Well, and I, last thing I'll say is that I think real estate investors are plagued with the all or nothing mm-hmm. thinking. It's like, they're just all in on real estate. I, I don't just like, I'm not saying that real estate's not an excellent way to build wealth. We're mm. real estate investors for a reason. All that we're saying is that like, there are other opportunities worth considering, especially with all this new emerging tech around blockchain and AI and all these mm. things that like, it's worth paying attention because you don't need to be right very many times in order to create a lot of upside, those are bets worth taking, in my opinion. Now, if you're making bets in the blockchain or AI space, where if you're right, you win big. If you're wrong, you lose a ton of money. That's mm-hmm. a bet, I would say. That doesn't fit with our strategy. Don't no. do that. That's a, that's a no-no, right? Correct, correct, correct. I, I think it's one of those things that that um, a lot of people, and I like this phrase, blow themselves up in situations like that because they they are all or none. and and it, it's one of those, I don't know, I've, I've always thought this was, a, in my view, it's a safe bet simply because it's a long-term play. Right. Um, and again, use the analogy of a rental property. A rental property is, I had, I had that, that same guy that was my original mentor. He goes, man, rental property and real estate is, a, is, a, is not a, it's a get rich slow scheme because it happens over the time. It's the same with a, with a lot of stuff that we're doing with the blockchain and whatnot with, with, uh, in our crypto space, it's over time. It, it, it continuously grows. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, I have obtained that goal. I did achieve that goal. I am here where I wanted to be in this amount of time that I set. And it's just a, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful feeling, man, that I, to know the direction we're going and know that you, you, in your mind, you feel like it is the right direction. It just lowers your anxiety. And I think that's what it's all about. I'm going to throw a, I want to play a game real quick and we're going to wrap up. Oh boy. I never played this game with you. I I mentioned it with Steve on a podcast we did last week and I want to get your opinion. All right, let's play a game. Let's hear it. It costs $10 to play this game. Okay. Want to play? Sure. Okay. So you can, you can play six times. Uh, If you win this game, you win a million dollars. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, very. Still, still want to play? Sure. Okay. There's actually an 83% chance every time you play this game that you're going to win. So 83% of the time you bet $10, you're going to make a million. You sure you still want to play? It sounds good as of right now. Yes. I don't know. But don't there know. is a catch. Ah, uh, uh. <laughs> we, we, we call this game Russian roulette. Mm. You're familiar with Russian roulette. Ooh. Wow. Yes. Okay. Very. <laughs> so there's six chain uh, spots in the chamber and there's one bullet in there. Right. So if you play this game five times out of six, you're going to win a million dollars. 83% of the time you're going to win a million dollars, but wow. 17% of the time, you're going to blow yourself up. Wow. And you That's can't play anymore. Fantastic analogy. You sure you still want to play? I'm not sure I want to play, Paul. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> that's, that's the bet that we make all the time as investors and business owners. And I mean, crypto is riddled with these types yeah. of bets, right? Yeah, for sure. Where, yeah, if you're right, 
you make a million dollars and you got an 83% chance of being right, let's say. Yeah. But if you're wrong, you blow yourself up. Is that yeah. a game you're willing to play? No. Mm. Right. So it's all, it's not about looking at the upside. This is what we mean by, by middle of the bar bets. Yeah. Your upside is tremendous, but your downside is blowing yourself up. Mm. It's complete total ruin and you can never Correct. play again. Correct. Correct. But we don't pay attention to the downside in most cases. Now, in Russian roulette, it's obvious. We're like, oh, right. I, and, and I'm not suggesting that in the bets we make in business, we're talking about death as yeah. the downside alternative. Yeah. Right. But the point is, is like we don't pay attention to the downside. We mm. just look at it and say, well, if I if I spent ten dollars, I could win a million. And there's an 83 percent chance of winning. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. Right. It's almost like we do it and we don't get all the details, just like me just now. 83% chance. Yes, let's go for it, right? <laughs> That's right. And we just, yeah. it's hard to quantify the downside yeah. in most cases. Yeah. It's easy in Russian roulette. We understand what that means, but like yeah. we make these bets all the time. So the point is, it's all about removing the downside. And as Dan says, if you can just get rid of all the downside, all you're left with is upside. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's another wonderful point that he made on that. Um, if you eliminate all the downside, what's left? That was a question I heard him ask one time. And I was like, upside? And, you know, I was waiting for, you know, some type of some type of fancy or professional response. And he was like, yeah, just upside, you know, <laughs> it makes total sense. Get rid of the downside. I was waiting for some, you know, we all look at Dan as the, you know, I think you call him the human computer, right? I was looking, all right, what's the catch? What am I missing? He was just like, upside left. That's it. <laughs> Why That's would it. we not eliminate all Imagine the downside, that. right? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, what is something you want to leave our listeners with today? Maybe a lesson learned in business or in life that you'd like to leave people with? You know, I'm um, I'm just a big fan of asking, you know, ask questions. Uh, that That's the one thing that I, I have, has always served me well. And if you're going to ask questions, don't wait. Go ahead and do it. Um, I'm, you know, a biblical phrase that I like, asking you shall receive type deal. Doors will open if you ask questions. And if you're not having a door open, you just got to keep asking questions because eventually a door is going to open for you. But the choice is yours 100% whether you take that first step. Uh, when that door opens, are you taking that step? When a door closes, are you stepping out of the way and going to the next door that's going to open? So if I had to leave anything with anybody that's that has served me well over the years is that don't wait, ask questions. I like it. Well, Matt, this was a pleasure. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences to help us all get closer. I'm going to, lastly, I, I got a question for you, right? Oh uh, for the audience, right? So we do this <clears throat> show called the investor frame because we want you to ask yourself, knowing what you know now, what you've heard on this show and what you've heard Matt and I share what questions do you need to ask yourself? What needs to change in your business, your life, your investments to help you get closer to the things that you want? Ask yourself that question. Thank you again, Matt, for joining us. For everybody else, we'll see you guys on the next episode.